Welcome to Tripod. This is a series of podcasts by the Technology Transfer Office in Trinity College, Dublin, aimed at highlighting some of the innovative high-tech research and ideas emerging from Trinity, including related to spin-out companies. I'm Ed O'Loughlin. I'm doing an executive MBA in Trinity Business School. My co-host here is Dr. John Whelan, Technology Transfer Manager in Trinity. Our guest today is Kieran Fraser from the Department of Computer Science, and he's going to talk to us about an initiative he's working on called Empushy. You're very welcome to Tripod, Kieran. Thanks for having me. We all know the experience of getting too many pings on our smartphone, too many push notifications, and many irrelevant to us. With your work, Kieran, you've identified a way to help us with such information overload. Can you start by telling us a little about your role in Trinity and how you came to develop Empushy, how it works and who should be particularly interested in it? Yeah, so I came to Trinity as an undergraduate student in engineering and in my third year I kind of specialised in then computer engineering Um, and then as part of the um, MAI that they offer here in Trinity, they offer a master's year, so for that final year project. I was lucky enough to get Professor Owen Conlon, who works here in the ADAPT Centre in Trinity. He's kind of the head of personalisation, and he thought of push notifications as being a great place to apply personalisation. And so I guess he had the foresight to, to look into notifications. So I, I jumped on that kind of final year project, where it was all about making push notifications more intelligent. And then the, the offer of a PhD came up, um, and again, to, to do it with Owen, so I kind of jumped at that opportunity as well. So the last kind of three years, I've just been kind of um, researching push notifications, how to make them smarter in terms of more personalized, more contextual to the user. And then ADAPT being a kind of a, not just a research center, they're also um, very into the commercialization side of things. So how could I um, apply my research in the commercial space? And that kind of led me to the workshops that um, they offered within ADAPT, which kind of pushed me into going out and speaking to people in the push notification eco-space. And from there, I started to see trends in a breakdown in communication between the people pushing the notifications and the people receiving the notifications. So obviously, people were getting too many notifications, and they were arriving at like um, bad times for the user, in the middle of meetings, late at night. You're getting work emails when you're out having a drink with the lads, kind of thing. So, um, or you're asleep. Or you're asleep, <laughs> exactly. And it's difficult, difficult to switch off. So, so I guess it was from there that I kind of started to see there was a lack of empathy with notifications. And that's kind of how the whole Empushy name came about. It was empath- how do we make notifications more empathetic to the end user as opposed to the person pushing the notification. Um, so, so you were pushed into working in push notifications that's, by your own content. That's it, exactly. <laughs> more pulls in, I think, yeah, more, yeah. Than, more than pushed in, to be honest. And, I mean, it's worth mentioning as well that... Mm. This was obviously your PhD in the ADAPT Centre is funded by Science Foundation Ireland. Absolutely, yeah. You know, which is, you know, this the government is really investing a lot of resources and money and cash in this kind of research. And it's our job here in Trinity Research and Innovation to bring that out into the real world and for socio-economic app. Mm. impact and I, mean, I think the social aspect of this is very important you know, because the stress right. that's been caused yeah, yeah. by push too many push notifications yeah, is yeah. really impacting people's well-being and mental health absolutely and that's kind of what drew me in to begin with so when i initially started researching the whole area of push notifications 
um, even in, in kind of from the academic side um, and the papers that were being pushed out, I could see a lot of researchers, behavioral science researchers, were looking at how push notifications impact on people's health and their well-being and um, how information overload. So if you get too many notifications, it actually decreases your sense of satisfaction. You think, oh, I'm getting so many notifications, I'm really popular, but it's actually the opposite effect. Um, and as well, I mean, when you get these so many so many notifications, you have to make a choice every time a notification comes to your phone. You have to swipe it left or swipe it right, open it, not open it. And there's a really good TED talk by Barry Schwartz who who goes into the whole paradox of choice, and and he and he kind of does a whole bunch of research on the on the area. But he found that the more choice we have, the more it paralyzes us. So if you think about it, by getting more and more notifications, we're being constantly paralyzed throughout our day if we're constantly having to check our phone and make decisions based on these notifications. And I mean, we get enough decisions to make during the day anyway, so having more notifications, more decisions to make, it's it's a tough thing. And then obviously, we I kind of explored other areas where this impacts as well, so the parent and child was kind of a big one where, okay, so children are now having devices, mobile phones, when they're really young, so they're getting notifications, and how is this impacting them in the future? Um, so when you when you when you get a notification, it releases dopamine. So it's kind of like a, a good feeling when you get a notification. But I mean, it's the same thing as playing like a slot machine, three hundred sixty-five days a year. So Tristan Harris um, goes into this quite a bit as well. He's I think an ex-Googler. But so when you get a notification, or when you check your phone, you look for a notification. If you get a notification, you get a hit, hit of dopamine. It's the same thing as playing a slot machine where you pull the slot and you win or you lose. So it's actually enhancing the addictiveness we are to technology and to our mobile devices. And especially when we have, I guess, our mobiles on us so much. So we have it on us 365 days a year. So it's like you're constantly gambling every single day. So these addictive tendencies, they might not be so apparent now because technology is, this technology is still like at an early age, but in the children who are growing up with this, looking at the effects this is going to have on them for the long term, I think is, is kind of really worrying. Yeah, so. I was thinking that we should put some of these links to the you know, that TED Talk and Absolutely. Tristan Harris, yeah. we put them up with yeah. the podcast as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a whole bunch because yeah. like when I was doing the research on this and even looking into how my research can impact on society, I came across a whole bunch of news yeah. articles. So, I mean, I guess when you're in that kind of headspace of push notifications, so when you have like a keyword, you kind of see it more and more cropping up in the media. So I'm kind of like super alert or super sensitive to it cropping up. So anytime there's a news media report or even I was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival uh, a couple of weeks back um, and I was at a David, David O'Doherty was doing a gig um, and he did a whole section on technology and how we're being addictive and manipulated by technology and all this kind of stuff. I actually tried to look for it, but I couldn't find yeah, it. So he hasn't put up on YouTube yet, but as soon as he does, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for it. Um, but like other comedians have also touched on it. So like Daryl Green a couple of years back goes into when Facebook was kind of up and coming and he was kind of like uh, a new trend where my friends don't email me anymore. They email Facebook and then Facebook emails me. So it's kind of like he, <laughs> Facebook has become like the butler in between the communications. But now it's Facebook who's deciding when to push out these messages to me as opposed to my friends. And Facebook obviously had their own agenda as opposed to my friend's agenda. So, I mean, we have to, I guess, be careful, and especially with push notifications, the manipulations that can go on in the background, especially when it comes to companies um, using your data to try and maximize their goals or their click-through rates or their profits, as opposed to your own well-being or your digital health. But at the same time, I think that the culture is changing. So, I mean, if, if you've seen Instagram recently where they, they did that trial in Ireland where it was taking away the, the total number of likes from an Instagram post so to stop people comparing themselves with other people and putting their self-worth in the posts that they're putting up. So 
there is empathy being built into technology and it's the bigger companies that are starting to do this, like the Googles, the Facebooks. So it's, I think it's only a matter of time before it starts becoming embedded in the, um, the younger companies as well, the younger technology companies. So that's kind of where I kind of hope for Empushy to branch out to not only just push notifications, but embedding a layer of empathy within all technology that is always kind of fighting for our attention. So that was in Ireland. I didn't know they trialed it. They yeah. trialed it just in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think they're actually rolling it out to other countries now because I mean, yeah, yeah. I have noticed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I I found that I liked it. Um, yeah. I didn't I didn't think I cared too much about likes of it. But I mean, you do find yourself comparing mm-hmm. less and yeah. not caring as much about oh, this post this post is popular. I must look at this in detail. This po- post isn't as popular. I'll just scroll past it. You find yourself just taking each post for what it is and then making your own kind of wind up on whether or not you like it or not. So. For the, the listener to have a better understanding, you um, you mentioned that an average person will receive something like 80 push notifications mm-hmm. daily, and about half of those aren't really relevant to Absolutely. the person. How in practice do you see Empushy being able to filter these or to yeah. somehow lessen the, the, the pen? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess Empushy can kind of, is kind of a work in progress. So it can, it can work a number of ways. So my research is kind of born out of how do we make notifications more contextually relevant, more personalized to the user? How do we protect their well-being and their mental health? So Empushy could be a standalone app on the on the user's device. And this is what I did for a lab experiment where I developed an app. It identified the notifications as they were coming in, and then it would cache the notification. So if it, if it thought the notification wasn't relevant to the person at the given at their given context so based on where they were in the world who the sender was the language of the notification the subject of the notification the priority of the notification there's so many features that you can you can base this on then it would cache the notification for later and then by identifying a change in your context so saying oh i've actually left trinity college at the moment i'm now commuting home so a whole number of notifications that were cached have suddenly become relevant so it can now deliver those notifications to me but it can also work a number of different ways. So I also explored how businesses pushing the notifications could uh, leverage Empushy to improve their notifications. So instead of me having to cache the notifications that they're sending, how can I make sure that what they're sending in the first place is relevant to me so that there, there isn't a, a breakdown in communication? So. In, in that kind of means, it could be like an intelligent API where they send me their customer engagement data, they send me the notifications they wish to push, and then I can make a, a prediction on whether or not that notification needs to be sent to the user at that time based on what we know about the user um, and their, their contextual state, their cognitive mental state. So um, that's kind of how Empushy how would work. It, can, it has other attributes as well. So based on the analysis of the notifications that can be sent and we can identify subjects that the user is interested in at particular times of day, which ones make them happy, which ones make them sad, and we can reinforce better behavior in the way that they engage with notifications. So maybe we shouldn't be creating notifications that the user on a whole doesn't want. We should only be creating notifications that are good for the user and good for us. And so obviously companies aren't going to be pushing notifications for the sake of just benefiting the user. They obviously want some respect as well in terms of the the content that they're creating so giving the pusher of the notification insights into what content they should be creating for the user is also something that empathy could could potentially do as well down the line so when i was looking at this initially i was very much thinking about efficiency for the individual individual and efficiency for their workplace and whatever business they're involved in but 
the more I've listened to you, the more I can see the health side of this and the whole stress. Yeah. The stress side is so important and vital. And Absolutely. Um, so like when you think about the workplace, I, I don't know about normal workplaces, but when you're in a kind of a tech company, Slack is always open. So Slack yeah. is kind of a big one in terms of constantly getting pinged. And I mean, it's not always work stuff. So Slack in-house, because Slack uses Slack in-house, and in-house they have this thing called the polite raccoon. So if someone in a channel is uh, annoying them with irrelevant stuff, they send a picture of a raccoon to the person who's annoying them, and that's <laughs> to tell them to stop. So that's yeah. kind of the culture within Slack. So even within Slack, this is a problem. And obviously, that's that's kind of one of the big one of the big things where, okay, if I get a, no- a notification and it's from YouTube and I waste um, ten minutes of my work day uh, watching this video, that's kind of a low impact on me in terms of it doesn't affect my well being as much. Maybe that's that's actually improved my well being in terms of I got a break from work. But in terms of the employer, that notification, that social notif- notification coming in during the work day prevented me from having 10 minutes from doing 10 minutes more work than I would have done I mean the employer is paying me to do the work so getting social notifications or being constantly distracted during the day from push notifications um, is a burden on the employer so um, empathy could filter the notifications coming in so that the social notifications arrive at a more contextually relevant time for the worker as well so I mean it's not just um, I guess social notifications coming in or work notifications coming in during social hours. It's also the other way around. Actually, the raccoon, the raccoon is interesting. I wonder why they picked. See, that's really kind of American centric, isn't it? American centric. A raccoon. Okay, it's a cuddly animal, but it is. I think. Why it's is it polite? Is it? Are they, def- are they famous for being polite? I, no I don't think so. I think it's just a sufficiently random image. Yeah, kind of harmless as well. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I like your logo. You know, you have the kind of square with the heart, so it's like a notification, but it's a it is, but it's a heart instead of a yeah. massive number telling you yeah. how many notifications yeah, you yeah, got. So, so it's uh, for the overload. But yeah, so in terms of that, um, the workplace. So recently in the in the Irish media, I came across an article in the Journal where it was the right to disconnect. So they're actually thinking about bringing in a law where workers can't answer, don't have to answer emails outside of working hours. So if you get a notification or a Gmail notification telling you that you've got a, oh, you have this email and it's work-related and you're out with the lads for a point or something, um, and it's really urgent that you have to answer it now, you have the right to say, no, I'm, I can, I've disconnected from work and I'm not going to answer that email now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were thinking about bringing this in because um, I think it was last year or something, 2018, a worker was getting so many of these notifications and they were replying to them because they were stressed out and they were like, okay, I have to reply to these emails. And she won €7,500 in court or something from her employer because so much more work was added on. So, I mean, the stress to the employer or to the to the worker in terms of getting all these notifications outside of the working hours. Um, and it's even harder these days because I think the lines between work and uh, social are blurred so much because, I mean, you've got remote working, you've got working from home and all these kind of things. So, I mean, defining, making those break lines between work and social have to be more apparent just for our own sanity in our, in our I think state it's, of mind. So, I think it's kind of unique problem in Ireland in some ways because so many FDI companies in Ireland are American based Mm. so you've got this you know meetings happening and activities on the east coast or even worse on the west coast of the states and I know from talking to people working in FDI it can be a huge problem uh, that their their day gets extended and Um, I guess in lines with that another aspect of of the push notifications where it's it's kind of the parent-child aspect of it where 
the, the children are getting sent push notifications. So there was legislation, I think it was brought up in the UK, where they were looking at finding social media companies if they sent push notifications to children between the hours of school or uh, between the hours of sleep at night. Um, just because children now have their mobile devices with them during school and if they're getting pinged during trying to do work during school, obviously that's going to be a massive distraction. I mean, there's research out there showing that if you get interrupted during your deep focus work, it takes you 20 minutes to get back into it. So if you're constantly, I mean, 80 times a day, if you're getting pinged by a notification, that's how many times you need to waste 20 minutes getting back into the focus of the activity that you are already doing. So, I mean, um, and there's also research on every time you go on your phone, what's the average time you spend on your phone? And if you're getting a notification, that's you going onto your phone. So 80 times a day times the average time you spend on a phone. Because if you get a notification and you're like, oh, I'll just dismiss that. Okay, I won't open it. But now I'm already in my phone. Oh, I'll check Instagram. I'll check Facebook. I'll check all my social. I'll check my email. So the amount of time you actually waste over a period of a weekend is massive in terms of just getting a push notification from some random person on Facebook liked your photo or something like that. So what about, I think we've very much described the problem is very real, we're very yeah, aware yeah. of it. So, you know, how are you tackling it and how, how does yeah, it work? How like does it work? In, in yeah, detail? exactly. So I guess one part of it is examining notifications themselves. So the different features of a notification. So you've got the content, the text of the notification. So you've got the big, large bit of text. You've got the ticker text, which is just the, the one-liner that kind of that kind of hooks you in. You've got the app that sends you the notification. And you've got the flashing light, so WhatsApp is white. Um, Here's a notification. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, you're in a meeting now. That shouldn't, have, that shouldn't have come in. I, I knew that was going that. to happen, John. I just knew it. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. I mean, that, that happens so often everywhere you go. Yeah. So, and it's always at the worst time. It's always at the <laughs> one time you don't want it to happen and it will happen for you. Yeah. Kind of. So, yeah, so there's so many features. So, there's the flashing light. So, WhatsApp sends you a white one, Facebook sends you a blue one. And even just the choice of light that they use mm. has an effect on whether or not the person person answer because they know from the light which app it is so if it's snapchat it's Snapchat, it's yellow maybe i'll answer that immediately if it's yeah. whatsapp I'll, I'll answer so um what mc does is it takes those features and it builds a model around it and it examines how the customer engages with notifications of those different features so doing that we can identify what types of features and what values of those features are most indicative of the person accepting or rejecting the notification. So take, for example, the, the app that sends the notification. We did a, a, a study recently that shows the app is very, very influential in whether or not a user will accept the notification, which is to be understandable at certain times of the day. So um, Gmail is a big one during the hours of work. WhatsApp seems to be every hour of the day people will be accepting WhatsApp messages. Slack, again, during during working hours. And Snapchat, not as much, maybe... Um, um, after working hours so um, using the different features and then obviously the text so we can do some natural language processing so extracting the sentiment from the notification extracting the topic or the subject of the notification um, is a big one as well and then the timings so sending it at a certain time of day a certain day of the week I think Tuesday evenings was identified as the optimal time for people to be pushed notifications so if you're getting lots of notifications during uh, Tuesday evenings it's because a study came out telling these companies that this is the optimal time that people want. But I mean, this is at a very general, broad level. Everyone is different. Everyone has different interests. Those interests change over time. So I mean, it's not personalized to each individual user, which is one of the things Empushy does because it protects the user. It's on the user side. It's on the user's device. It can leverage the data that the companies are using to maximize their click-through rates. 
Empushy uses that same data, even more of that contextual data, to protect you from those same notifications. I guess you've heard of uh, white hackers and black hackers and grey hat hackers. So the white hackers would be the people who are uh, on the good side, trying to protect the users from, from getting hacked. The black hacker, hackers, are the hat, hackers are the people doing the hacking. So Empathy, I guess, would be more on the side of the white hat hackers or even the grey hat hackers, where we're trying to protect the user because there's not a lot of technology out there at the moment that does the protection of the user specifically. And I mean, the companies are leveraging natural language processing like Phrasey. So Phrasey specializes in uh, subject lines for emails. So it will compose a subject line that is guaranteed to 10x um, or email open rates. Um, and these are the kind of persuasive technologies that the companies are using to get you to click through, but there's nothing protecting you against that technology. So empathy, I guess, is, is one of those things that we're trying to push out that will protect the user's cognitive state and against these oncoming push notifications. But yeah, so natural language processing is, again, one of the things we're doing there. Um, and then reinforcement learning. So we're trying to reinforce the empathy to see the engagements that the user is engaging with take the signal, the feedback signal from the user about how they interacted with that notification, how they engaged with that notification, whether they opened it or dismissed it in a given context, whether or not in the long term that made them happy, that made them sad, how that emotionally uh, went down for them and trying to create an artificial agent that will deliver the notifications that are more contextually relevant, that are uh, more beneficial for your well-being, not just in the short term, but also in the long term. So that's kind of how empathy is kind of working at the level at the moment. So it's it's a personalized model for for users to, yeah. to deliver notifications. Kieran, thinking in terms of a personalized model, yeah. and say for example, if I'm an end user and I don't want to be disturbed generally during the day, yeah. but between certain hours I'm okay with it. From certain organizations or individuals, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Uh, certain regions of the world, yeah. let's say USA, I could be something vital coming. Is that type of personal stratification of this possible? Absolutely. So, I mean, that, that's kind of one of the, the key problems at the moment with, with the push notifications. I mean, every app has a binary switch where you can turn on and off the notification, but it's kind of, it's a... It's, it's a, pure binary. It's that's pure binary. That's the problem. So, I mean, and I mean, it is getting better. So, I know the Android system itself, it gives the developers the opportunity to categorize the notifications that they're sending. So, now you can you can long click on a notification and it, it has the category of it and you can say, okay, I don't want to see notifications from just this category anymore. But again, that's stipulated by the developer. So, it's not based on my interests and based on what I want to see. So, personalizing it to my interests and those interests change over time. So, what I like today won't be the same thing that I like tomorrow, next week. I could be very into, might be very into rugby during the period of the World Cup, but then that interest will dip after the World Cup is finished. And I may not want to see all these push notifications about updates of the Ireland team when they're when they're playing. So that temporal interest has to be done at a kind of a personal level for, for the user. And we can do that, it's just, Again, obviously, data is kind of a hot topic at the moment in terms of how you're how you're leveraging it, and that's kind of a big thing where we want to keep the human in the loop. We want to keep the user in the loop about what data we're using, how we're using that data, and how it's um, affecting the decisions that they're making and the, the decisions that Empathy is making on their behalf, because that is what Empathy is doing. It's making a decision on behalf of the user, which is kind of dangerous on one aspect in terms of if I 
cache a notification or filter a notification that should have got through to them. Maybe it's an emergency. Who's liable in that instance? Is it me as the developer of Embassy? Is it the person who's pushing the notification who should have identified it more as, a, as an emergency? So it needs to be personalized. Yeah, to, to We had talked earlier, Kieran, about the entrepreneurial atmosphere within Trinity and the supports in that regard. So maybe coming coming on a more general level, can you tell us about the key resources and support you've come across as you've been trying to develop Empushy and both within Trinity and outside maybe Enterprise Ireland and some others Absolutely, who may have been? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Adapt Centre, again, is, is very good at looking at research and finding where it can be applied in the real world. So they have a whole commercialization team. So I did a number of workshops with, with the team and that was kind of where I started going out into the push notification ecosystem, talking with stakeholders, so the, the marketers, the push notification specialists, the app developers and the end users of the notification. So they, they ran a number of workshops. Um, obviously, the Trinity Transfer Office has been has been huge as well in terms of when I was applying for the, the Enterprise Art Feasibility Study, there was a lot of support there and <laughs> getting that through, which was fantastic, and, and sitting down with, with our contacts from Enterprise Ireland, which was great. Um, but even Trinity as a whole, so I know they do the Launchbox program, and um, I had friends who did that during my our undergraduate years, and even just the experience that they had informed my experience and how I would go about it in, in my own way. And then I have two friends who did um, a, who ran a hackathon during their their master's year, and I was I was part of that as well, and that was hosted by Trinity again. So Trinity are kind of very entrepreneurial focused, and they always encourage um, innovation and creativity in the students right from the start. I mean, during the engineering years, we were doing, I was giving presentations, we were doing entrepreneurial, an entrepreneurial module where we had to create various things. I think we were doing a, an e-learning app was kind of our idea. So, And then as well, so Enterprise Ireland, obviously, with their, their feasibility study, which I'm just finalizing at the moment, which is fantastic. And um, we did a whole market research area with, with Arthur, who, who came on the project with me to help out with that, which was, which was brilliant. And then even just Dublin as a whole. So there was the startup week, which I think Gene Murphy was involved in that one. And, and so I went to that where they had mentors and you could literally just sign up and there's these people with wealth of experience in entrepreneurship and you could chat, chat with them for 30 minutes and they'd give you advice. And one of the girls I was chatting to there, Susan, she put me in touch with a contact that she had in the workplace wellness space, Teresa. And from there, I went to an event in the Dublin Chambers of Commerce um, where I got chatting to Bernard Brogan, who was doing pep talk. Um, and then he was talking to me about how notifications could be applied to workplace wellness and opened up a whole stream of opportunities in the workplace wellness space for push notifications. So it's all these kind of little connections I made along the way, all supported by Trinity and Adapt and all these kind of institutes of entrepreneurship that are around Dublin at the moment, because Dublin is like a massive hub for startups. Yeah, I mean, it's great Yeah, you're plugged into the ecosystem, but we are very conscious too that you do, you are doing your PhD and you need to finish your PhD. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, you know, the ideal is that we would spin this out as a campus company. Yeah. Uh, we're very fortunate to have uh, Trinity uh, as access to the University Bridge Fund, the VC ecosystem. Actually, the word wellness is interesting. I'm just going to be a little bit kind of controversial on this because we deal with psychology, psychiatry, public health. But a lot, some of the feedback we have from public health people in particular in Trinity, mm. they're based out in... Uh, Tala mm. and Tala Hospital, but they 
some of them are very passionate that they don't like the word wellness now because they're clinicians. Yeah. You know, so I can I can kind of see it's a kind of a word we need to be yeah. careful of. You know, because sometimes this wellness can you know you may if you're not well you may be ill and you know yeah, it, it, absolutely. I mean, it's it's not it's not a binary thing. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's a spectrum yeah. again when you when you look at it. I mean, because there's so many facets to to well-being or, yeah. or, or wellness or well-being. So, I mean, in terms of the workplace wellness one, I know that uh, stress obviously is one of those one of those facets, but financial is another one of those. And that seems to be a, a big one as well at the moment. And you can see it with the whole fintech space taking off as well. So, I mean, obviously wellness and well-being has, has other meanings in, in the medical domain, but this is just kind of one of those cultural things that's, or buzzwords that's been picked up on in the media yeah. that's kind of... Um, and I was at a talk, um, again, by Enterprise Ireland. Enterprise Ireland uh, ran a, a big ideas event recently, but one of the speakers there, um, she, she's kind of a researcher in kind of the, the workplace wellness space, but she was saying that there's actually more money in the workness or in the wellness space than there is in, I think it was military funding or something like that so i mean it's it's amazing and you can see it with the whole the fitness thing that's going on at the moment the the influencers on youtube who are into the fitness and the fitness apparel so like gymshark and all these all these people who are they're promoting uh, a better state of mind through doing fitness doing yoga so i think workplace wellness is kind of born out of that as well so that's why i kind of think there's a whole shift in the cultural opinion on okay so technology isn't might not be great for us all the time we actually need to switch off every now and again and what's interesting is so you can see it from some of the celebrities like the likes of ed sheeran and stuff who threw away his smartphone because he was getting too many emails obviously we're all not going to have a huge following like someone like a celebrity like that so we all don't need to throw away our smartphones but you maybe can see do. Maybe, maybe, maybe we do maybe some of us do yeah john obviously has a massive following so <laughs> These celebrities, they're valuing disconnectedness and now it's becoming associated with a luxury. So people go on these wellness retreats now where it's uh, a disconnect from technology and they're paying money to do this. So it's almost a luxury to be disconnected now as opposed to before it seemed to be a luxury to have all these technologies and have all these devices. So I think it's a it's an interesting way that people are uh, are moving towards and how people are thinking now. So. Yeah, I think it's always interesting with research. Like you've been working on this for three years? Or four? Three, four years now, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the real thing, the role of a university in this kind of research that, you know, Owen Conman was thinking about this four or five years ago. Now, yeah. it's now it's become a thing, but five years ago it wasn't. Exactly. And that's what you, you know, that's, I really feel strongly, that's what universities are for. You're, you're the head of the car. Yeah, you yeah, just have to be, and that has yeah. huge risks on the bleeding mm. edge, but it does. this has really become a thing now. Yeah, I mean, we can help. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, when you're at the cutting edge, had that foresight and own own was fantastic in terms of seeing the value that it could provide in the future because push notifications at that time was very was very young technology it was still finding its niche finding its area and, and it's still a work in progress i mean android and google they're still developing their notification developer apis to to give the developer more options when they're creating notifications and there's all these tech companies now so during the feasibility study um, obviously we had to do market analysis and competitor analysis and we found that there's all these tech companies actually popping up that are now doing notifications and they're doing push push messaging and nudging the user and it, it becomes a whole behavioral science. And obviously people have been studying this for years about behavioral science and how people make choices. But it's interesting that Dublin in particular seems to be a hub for the push notifications where we have a number of companies here who do push notifications 
and they do smart push notifications as well. But I guess the the differentiator between them and Empushy is we're trying to do the empathetic notifications of being on the side on the side of the user. But yeah, again, it, it was Owen Brainwave all those years ago to do it, and um, I was lucky enough to be able to to do my master's project on the push notifications. And then when he offered the PhD, I kind of jumped at the chance because I kind of knew that I knew that this was kind of uh, an interesting space to to discover how users interact with it, a kind of a new technology. And you, there's nowhere else you can get that kind of opportunity to, to do academia and then have that opportunity to transition to the commercial life after, which is something that Adapt and Trinity are, are pretty good at doing. Like so. one of the companies I think you're referring to would be Swerve, for example, who yeah. originally spun out of Trinity, by, uh, founded by uh, Steve Collins, who mm. former lecturer in computer science yeah yeah and uh, you've been you've been talking to them had a had a chat with Steve actually he had some um, he had some great insights into into what we were doing with Empushy and he kind of he kind of came up with the thought so make empathetic notifications more desirable to the businesses that are implementing them and it was kind of okay so can we make a, a threshold or a benchmark of all notifications how empathetic are is a notification and then all the companies are kind of competing against each other, trying to get the most empathetic notifications. So I thought that was just a, a it was kind of like a quality mark for notifications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how empathetic, an empathetic quality mark. And I mean, I think you can interact, you, you can integrate that into all technology because I think all technology needs to be more empathetic towards the user. I mean, it's every piece of technology is trying to fight for our attention. We only have a limited amount of attention a day. There was a, a study on willpower done by Bomas. Bonmeister, I think his name is, where it's called Chocolate and the Radishes, where they give people, or they bring people into a room, and there's a there's a plate of cookies, chocolate cookies, um, and then there's a plate of radishes, and in one of the groups, they say, okay, you can only eat the radishes, the other group, they can dive into the cookies, and then they give them a test afterwards trying to solve a problem or something, and they found that the people who ate the radishes had less attempts at the problem and could and spent less than half the time trying to apply themselves to the problem just because they had used up all their willpower. So this whole study was about willpower is actually a muscle and something that depletes yeah. over time. Reserve, so, you have reserves. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, if you're getting push notifications, 80 push notifications a day, and, okay, so you say half of them, you say, okay, I'm not going to be tempted, I'm not going to answer that push notification, that's what, 40 times a day that you've been depleting that reserve of willpower and then eventually you're just going to binge on something, Netflix or something, you're just going to say, oh, I've been good for the whole day, I'm just going to binge for the next two hours on Netflix. So I, I mean, that's kind of... I just got a title ad for this. Yeah. For, for this episode is going to be called Radishes, Chocolate and Raccoons. <laughs> no, nobody will know it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's a hook. <laughs> that's it. Oh, click, clickbait is a massive thing as well yeah. that I've been... Uh, I've been researching, it's, it's actually a really interesting um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. research topic even, the language that people are using to hook people in. But So I was looking at like the definition of clickbait. and So clickbait is something, if, it's enti- if the heading is enticing, and then based on the heading, the content doesn't reflect what the heading hooked you into. But it's okay if the heading is enticing and the content actually does answer the question. It exactly matches yeah. the question. And what we're finding is, even with push notifications, because push, notifi- push notifications tend to be clickbaity-ish. I mean, they, they try and hook you in as much as possible, but it's more enticing, persuasive language that they're using. So what I'd actually like to do in terms of maybe the next bit of research that I'm doing is how could I automatically translate that persuasive language into more neutral language so that I'm not being constantly trying to be persuaded to click the, the button. I'm just giving the facts straight out. Um, so that's an interesting natural language processing problem if anyone wants to help me tackle that. <laughs> and even the even the well-being apps use notifications. Like Headspace, you know, Headspace is very popular and, mm. you know, I've been playing around with it. It's fun. I really like it actually. Yeah. But 
it says, you know, hi, yeah. you know, I know it's tough sometimes, but please, you know, yeah. please check in and all that. He said, yeah. well, you're notifying, you're impacting on my yeah. well-being with your notifications. Absolutely. To feel that I should meditate, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pushing a, you to meditate. It is. Yeah. It's a catch-22 there. Or, yeah. I mean, they're trying, to, they're trying to hook you. But, I mean, notifications are kind of utilized by everyone now because everyone can see, can see it as a hook to get you back to using their platform. And that's what most of these companies want at the end of the day. They want you to use their platform. So... Uh, it's actually interesting. Tristan Harris does a does a whole talk on this again, where it's it's analyzing the metrics that companies use to judge their performance. Most of it is like screen time or click through rates or opening notifications. But I think it was Couchsurfer had a very interesting one where it was Net Good Times was the name of their metric, where it would where it was it would take the average amount of time you spent on their app searching for a couch for your stay, and it would take that away from or it would take that away from the amount of time you actually spent with the person that you're staying with. So it was negating the time you spent on the app with the time you spent with actual people and having a good time. And they used that as the metric to judge their performance. So it was just a, it was a different shift in the way of thinking. So it was better for the user, that metric, than the click-through rate or maximizing profits that you kind of the see. The NGS. So, exactly. NGT. Yeah, yeah. Net yeah, yeah. good times. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Another very popular word at the moment is sustainable. And mm. it just strikes me that you know, you need sustainable notifications. Yeah. And, and the way things are at the moment with the push-through, it just it's just not sustainable. Yeah. Either individuals or businesses or society mm-hmm. cannot put up with that current setup or that current system. Yeah. So, yeah, it seems there really is a space for something like Unpushy to come in here mm-hmm. and, and to push for a more sane way of ensuring people are notified. Just to get a better understanding of where you're at at the moment mm-hmm. and really to understand at what stage of development, like what's the next step, what's happening over the next year, and maybe to draw John in on this a little bit as well yeah. from the perspective of the Technology Transfer Office, you must have supported so many great ideas coming out of Trinity like this and how you actually move them to the next level. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, so the, the research has been kind of three, four years in the making. It's over the past year, I guess, having after meeting with John and um, then going on to the Enterprise Art and Feasibility study that I kind of concentrated on, okay, I'm coming towards the end of my PhD. How could this be a viable spin-out company that could sustain me um, when I finish the PhD? And how can how can I get this research out into the public, which is kind of what you want to see with a PhD. You don't want it to just be a book on someone's shelf that never gets read. You want something tangible that people can use and it adds value to the world. So so we've just finalized the, the Enterprise Ireland Feasibility Study, uh, where we've received some expressions of interests from push notification stakeholders um, in Dublin. So the feedback we got was was amazing. Again, Arthur was fantastic helping me with that. So the ne- the next step is to create an application for the commercialization fund offered by Enterprise Ireland. So I think we're going to try and do that by October, and maybe get something sorted for for the new year. So in terms of where the technology is at, so the technology has been tested in in kind of lab based settings at the moment. So what what we'd like to do is to create a minimum viable product, get the research into that minimum viable product, get it out to some real users. It doesn't have to be massive scale, an adequate amount of scale so that we can see some real results. And we have a number of metrics that we want to track in terms of how it's impacting the user, the click-through rate of the user, the health of the user, and then also in terms of the business. So is the, is the business benefiting? Are they seeing increased loyalty because these notifications are more empathetic? Are they seeing uh, an increased click-through rate because their notifications are now more contextual and more relevant to the user? So these are the kind of metrics that we want to we want to track. So I'd see that happening hopefully sometime after Christmas. And again, with those three 
companies that kind of expressed interests in the push notification space, we could we could hook up with them and and do some cool stuff. Um, and then after that, I guess depending on how and how those trials go, we'd like to scale the business more. So hiring more people to to work on it with us and and expand from there. And of course, Trinity is great for offering support in all those kind of facets of area and even the research expertise that's in Trinity, it's in ADAPT, or there's always someone to, to help us. Yeah, and it's great, again, as we keep saying about the cross-discipline, you know, that there Absolutely. can be people yep. in psychology, psychiatry, you know, that could contribute their expertise. Yeah. yeah, so the way the Enterprise Ireland scheme works is that typically there's a feasibility phase, which we've just completed, where, you know, it's kind of difficult. Sometimes it's a bit of cart before the horse, chicken and egg, yeah. more mixed metaphors, raccoons not involved, <laughs> but that, you know, you have to see, is there a market out there for this? Is it viable? The real objective of the feasibility phase we've just completed is to get a, some trial partners, mm. stakeholders, as Kieran said, that will actually, you know, will, will work, with the, work with us as we develop a closer to product and you know and typically that funding can be significant can be 100 200 300k as a commercialization research project so hopefully that's the stage we're going to move to once you finish the phd oh you can't you can't owen (laughs) Owen condon will have my head you know owen's great for for supporting me in both facets i think he, he he really knows that on, on coming into the, the PhD, I kind of was always interested in the entrepreneurship side. And um, as a supervisor, he's kind of really good at supporting me in both facets. But like, he's he's good as well. So if I am dragging my feet a bit on on PhD deadlines, he'll give me the, he'll give me the nod, and I'll, I'll get back to it. Like some, sometimes the timing, you know, these aren't rigorous processes that exactly. are always followed. Like we had the example last year of Volograms, who spun out and they completed the feasibility study, and they went Atlantic Bridge University Bridge Fund funded them for almost a million euros straight away they said yeah. you're so close to the market that uh, we'd like to fund you know and spin it out and you know they've built a team of i think they've nine people now yeah, yeah. Uh, you know so sometimes you know we're not rigorous to process process can kill innovation sometimes yeah i remember being at they, they gave that talk over in, was it atlantic bridge at the time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went over there and they kind of gave a, a history of how they kind of started up as well so even just being invited to talks like that was actually great for me to see the opportunities that were there and also the kind of roadmap that i could take because that was when i was in third second year of my phd so i mean yeah. it was great even at that early stage yeah. to see the opportunities that but were you there. had kind of self-selected that you were there though in the first instance yeah, you know, that's, yeah, yeah i mean the whole thing is we don't think every this is always the problem in university you don't think every research project should be yeah. spun out you know yeah. there's yeah. fundamental research is still very important obviously definitely uh, yeah. genuinely you know yeah. and uh, it's finding that balance is our challenge yeah yeah well Kieran, if people wish to get in touch with you online or otherwise where can they find find out more about Mpushi and yourself yeah so I mean if you google Mpushi I think it's a hmm. unique enough word that it'll probably sure. pop up number one anyway so originally I had the, the website down as a empathy which was kind of like artificial empathy was kind of where I was going with this because I didn't want to silo myself into empathetic notifications because I still believe that empathy should be built into kind of all technology so Mpushi was kind of the first instance but rebranding it'll probably be empushy.com I'd imagine um, and if anyone wants to get in touch with me on LinkedIn I'm on LinkedIn Kieran Fraser you can you can check it out and then I have a website myself FraserKieran.com where I have most of my 
information up there. And as we're well. we're at tcd.ie slash innovation. Yeah, or you can you can email adapt as well. They they've got info info yeah. on me too. So yeah, many ways to get many ways contact. To get contact. You know, as you say, yeah, trial partners are really what we're interested in. People yeah. in the you know, there's a number of large indigenous Irish companies, but obviously the big companies. It's always, you know, Facebook, Instagram, the more anybody out there, exactly. they would be yeah. very interested to talk to talk to them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Kieran, just a final question we like to ask is, where would you like to see and push you in about three years' time? Like, what would success look like for you? Um, so success would be, to successfully spin out would be would be great. Finish the PhD would be number one, but uh, uh, spin out. I'd love to, to hire some people. I think that would be um, a really a really cool thing to do to get other people working on this project as well. And to have, have Empushy power notifications in millions of people's devices, I think that would be really cool to have an actual impact on, on their, their well-being and their, on their health and to just improve the whole user experience of, of push notifications because it's, it's one thing doing doing research and research is really cool and studying the, the psychology behind how people are thinking but actually building a tangible thing that's then used by millions of people I think that would be fantastic so that's kind of where I'd love to be in, in three years I guess whether that's as a CTO or a CEO or still just a developer within the Empushy company I don't really mind <laughs> yeah. And on, on a personal level, I think the services of Empushy can't come soon enough. So I really wish wish you well with it. So thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks very much. much.